Hey, good morning, everyone. I hope you're enjoying your house church service so far. Uh, make sure you pause today and thank the people who helped put the worship service together at your location. Uh, I want to draw your attention this morning to a passage from Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. And it's a really well-known and familiar passage, and I think it's one that everybody at some point probably has heard if they've been in the church for a while. We call it the Great Commission, and here's what it says. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, in that very familiar passage, Jesus gives us as his followers a very concise mission statement. And at the heart of this mission is the call to make disciples. You've got to keep in mind that the call Jesus gave the church is to make disciples and not just converts. The goal is not simply to lead people to a decision to convert and be labeled a Christian, but it is a call to help people enter into a lifelong journey of transformation through a relationship of following Jesus Christ in obedience. Now, the American church is emerging out of what we call commonly the seeker-sensitive movement. And it actually was a very good thing. It's a movement that reminded us that there are a lot of people outside the church who need the love of Christ. And so a great deal of energy in the last several decades was expended in the American church reaching out to those outside of the church family who really needed to experience the love of Jesus Christ. And it was a good thing to shift our focus and realize that there is a world of people outside the church who need Jesus. The result was multitudes of people came to Christ during that movement. And a parallel result of that was that churches began to grow into huge, large, um, large groups. Uh, we saw... Uh, congregations number in the tens of thousands and so that was also what we call the mega church era and the two actually went hand in hand as thousands of people from outside the church entered into faith relationship with Jesus Christ churches also grew and those are all good things I, I think we should celebrate that God turned the attention of the church outward and also brought lots of people into life in Christ but if you also take a look carefully at the current statistics describing the church in America, what you see is an emerging picture of a church that's in decline. Uh, by some measures, we're losing as many as 74% of our young people between the ages of 18 and 24. Biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high. It's amazing how little we in the American church really know what the Word of God says to us. Most metrics of social brokenness, things like divorce and substance abuse and sexual promiscuity among young people, most of those measures of social brokenness are really, what they reveal is the church and those outside the church are indistinguishable. We are falling at the same rate to these different aspects of societal brokenness as non-believing people are. And so there clearly is a, a problem. In fact, by most current um, standards, or by most current studies, 70 to 80 percent of North American churches are stagnant or in decline. And that, that's not just referring to numerical growth, but the fact that when they interview people at these churches, most would say there's really not much going on for me spiritually and not much going on at this church. Those numbers are backed up by the testimonies of church leaders as well, 
who are as a group experiencing some level of frustration over what's happening to the church in America. Well, the good news is that church leaders all across America are awakening to the problem. They're realizing that at the heart of what's wrong in the American church is that at some point we lost sight of the original call of Jesus Christ to his church to make disciples. What we realized was we were making converts, we were making programs, we were making organizations, but we weren't necessarily making disciples. And so as a result, there's a huge resurgence in the national conversation among evangelicals about a need to return to disciple-making as the core mission of the church. I'm very glad for that because I think it's the right place to put our focus. And it's not as if we're inventing something new, but we're rediscovering something which Jesus laid out for the church many, many years ago as the blueprint for how we should do our lives together and understand our calling and purpose in this life. Uh, a growing number of voices are being added to this conversation, and among them is a guy named George Barna, who many of you are probably already familiar with. He's sort of like the Gallup, the George Gallup of the Christian world. He has done so many intensive studies and statistical analyses and surveys of religion and the church particularly in America. And in his book, Think Like Jesus, here's what George Barna observed. Three out of every five adult Christians in the United States claim that they want a deep Christian faith, but they are not involved in any intentional effort to grow spiritually. I want you to think about what that observation signals to us. That it's not for lack of hunger. People do understand that there's more to spiritual life than what they're experiencing. That they want a deeper faith. But at the same time, the, the same three out of five people who make that claim, and I think honestly so, are not actively and intentionally engaged in anything that leads to spiritual growth and transformation. It's important then to go back to the passage and realize that Jesus said our call is not to find disciples, but to make disciples. And I think that's a trustworthy principle, that disciples are not um, just growing on trees. It's not something that happens to people by drifting downhill. Disciples are made. And if we understand the word disciple, not in any um, kung fu movie understanding or in the way we've used the term today as, often as a program, but if we understand disciple in the original New Testament ancient Near East context, it's impossible to separate the idea of discipleship from this idea of all-in, totally sacrificial followership of one person. Disciples of rabbis in Jesus' day would leave everything, family, friends, career ambitions, livelihoods. They would leave their hometowns geographically to follow a rabbi around and eat, sleep, drink, do life 24-7 with this person so that the hope was this leader would rub off on them and they would begin to imitate this person's way of life. And often along with that, they would even pick up the mannerisms and habits and personalities of their leader. It was a lifestyle of obedient followership and intense and intimate uh, imitation of the person you're following. That's really at the heart of what it is to be a disciple and to make a disciple. And you understand that something that profound isn't going to happen just by drifting. Disciples are made. It's the same thing for us. In order to become disciples, it will require some intentional effort on our part. I believe, like the rest of those people in George Barnett's study, there's a desire among people at Harvest to grow spiritually, to experience a deeper faith relationship with God, and I celebrate that. 
what I want to say now is I think we need to put our money where our mouth is and begin moving and restructuring everything towards that goal. That at harvest, the measure of success and health will be that people are becoming disciples of Jesus Christ and growing spiritually. Then another book, George Barna, makes another, what I think is a very insightful observation. Uh, it, it, the book is called The Seven Faith Tribes, and he describes different kinds of spirituality we can find in America. And one of the faith tribes he identifies is what he calls casual Christians. And he believes that America is filled with casual Christians. In fact, he, he would even go as far as to say many churches are, are seeing the majority of their constituents in this category of casual Christians. Let me read to you what he said about casual Christians as a tribe in an interview conducted when he was being asked about this book. Here's what he said. Casual Christianity is faith in moderation. It allows people to feel religious without having to prioritize their faith. Casual Christianity is a low-risk, predictable proposition, a faith perspective that is not demanding. A casual Christian can be all the things that they esteem, a nice human being, a family person, religious, an exemplary citizen, a reliable employee, and yet never have to publicly defend or represent difficult moral or social positions or even lose much sleep over their private choices as long as they mean well and generally do their best. Casual Christians see their perspective as the best of all worlds. It encourages them to be a better person than if they had been irreligious, yet it is not a faith into which they feel compelled to heavily invest themselves. Let me just read that last part one more time. It encourages them to be a better person than if they had been irreligious, yet it is not a faith into which they feel compelled to heavily invest themselves. Now, if you are paying attention, you may have noticed I read a passage but didn't really interact with it very much, and that's on purpose. I'm going to unpack that passage, among others, in a, in a sermon series that's going to kick off 2013. It's going to be all about discipleship. And so I do want to delve into the Word of God more deeply and thoroughly around this topic of making disciples. But this morning, what I'm hoping to do throughout the house churches that are meeting at Harvest is that we would get the conversation started about whether or not George Barna's observations and perhaps many of our own observations ring true. That there is a crisis in the American church in that while a lot of people are happily going about their business, going to church, being good family members and good workers and good citizens, underneath all of that is a, a real problem that, that people are not really growing spiritually. And they wouldn't describe their relationship with God as one of obedient followership and imitation. In other words, while Jesus is important to most of us, he is not central and primary to all of us. And so that is something we want to get the conversation going around today. And, uh, and I'm gonna, the, the, the people who are leading the house church where you are have been prepared with some background information, some notes, as well as some uh, discussion questions to help stimulate conversation among you. And I hope that you will engage fully in that conversation because I think this is an important topic. It's one that I really feel we can't dismiss um, out of hand without paying a great price in being the church together. In 2013, we're really going to shine the light of emphasis on this topic of making disciples. And we're even going to make some structural changes to our church to make room 
for this important calling of Jesus to his church to become the heartbeat of what we do whenever we gather together. I hope that you'll be excited and energized by the conversations you're going to have today and that as a result, your mind and your heart will be led by the Holy Spirit to think more about whether you are becoming and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ and whether you have fully embraced God's calling and invitation to you to join Him in making disciples of all people. God bless you. I can't wait to be back in town and see you again. I hope you enjoy the rest of your house church service. Make sure you spend some time in prayer and singing and taking care of one another. And don't walk out of the house too quickly. Linger for a while and enjoy the fellowship that is available in a smaller setting like this. 